0: Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, 37 degrees, getting warmer. It is Friday. We are going to have a fun show. Hondo taking the day off. Elvis is in the building producing the show. So when you call up, say hi to Elvis. Always a pleasure to have him here. It just, it's just a good day. This is actually going to be a really good show. As I'm looking through the different topics, lots and lots are interesting. Also, a quick reminder, as we do every Friday at 1130, we have our WTMJ Week in Review. I am the thorn between the two roses. Susie Falk and uh, Tracy Johnson come in. We also put that up at Facebook. We live stream it, so check that all out. We start off every program with a segment I call Three Big Things. What I try to do is identify three stories that i think you should know about so you can talk about at work or in the coffee closet or at lunch just three interesting sort of stories number one and i guess this one is not unique because my guess is pretty much everybody that hosts the talk show in america maybe everybody that hosts the talk show in the world is going to be discussing the donald trump press conference now i did not i did not see the press conference live um, but I, I did watch most of it. As I was telling uh, Gene and Jane and Doug, I, I I came back. I was at home last night. Um, I'd gone out and I came back and I, I, I had it DVR'd and I decided I was going to sit down and watch it and ended up with a glass of 140 proof really good bourbon watching the press conference. And I have to tell you, from an entertainment perspective, that's the best way to watch that press conference. Um, just with a... With, you know, your your dog sitting by your feet and drinking a, a nice glass of bourbon. It was, it was something for the ages. My guess is you perhaps saw it or have heard about it. Uh, Donald Trump comes out the press conference. It was about eighty minutes long. It featured him giving like a twenty minute opening statement where, I, I think it is fair to say that if anybody thought that Donald Trump was going to Back down if they thought that he was going to be cowed in any way, shape, or form by adverse media coverage. That's that's not happened. That's not what happened. It was, I, I think, combative to say the least. One of the accounts I'm looking at, I think this is out of USA Today, analysis. Trump's press conference was a spectacle for the ages. To hear President Trump tell it, he inherited a mess, and he has replaced it with a fine-tuned machine. That's not what it looked like, this is the, the columnist. That's not what it looked like or sounded like in the East Room of the White House on Thursday during a rambling, defensive, and at times angry performance by the leader of the free world. This is, again, the columnist writing this in one of the wildest presidential conferences, press conferences on record. Trump lashed out at the media, Hillary Clinton, the intelligence community, judges and Democrats, among many others. It was a spectacle uh, for the ages, one that his most loyal supporters probably loved, but one which political insiders have seldom, if ever, witnessed. Taking questions from a hostile press corps, no kidding, Trump interrupted and belittled them repeatedly, then responded in blunt terms avoided by his predecessor. His purpose... To compare what he inherited four weeks ago with what he has delivered, mostly in a series of adjectives, what he inherited was terrible, broken, catastrophic, horrendous, and a disaster, with jobs pouring out of the country, illegal drugs that are cheaper than candy bars, a depleted military, and mass instability overseas, he used the word mess six times. What he said he has delivered, really good work, incredible progress, decisive action, plants and factories, moving back to the U.S., big league, a tremendous surge of optimism in the business world, enormously productive talks with foreign leaders and U.S. citizens who are very happy as a result. There has never been a presidency that's done as much in a short period of time, Trump said. His cabinet is one of the great cabinets ever assembled in American history. And, um, you know, then then he goes on. Sorry, his top... His, topic was no topic was too sacrosanct for Trump to address no not nuclear holocaust, not being stood up by a black congressman, not the prospect of shooting a Russian ship out of the water, not sanctions of Chicago he likened to a living in hell, not attacking Mosul um, and few talk, uh, topics were free from embellishment and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on now I have so you don 't have to do this. Spent a great deal of time last evening and early this morning reviewing the different reviews of this press conference. Needless to say, most of the reviews in the mainstream media, well, are are just very, very scathing. We can't believe that he would do this. He took us on. He called us liars. He called us out. Um, The minority view, at least among commentators, is that Trump did exactly what his supporters expect him to do and that the press conference was, in fact, a home run. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right. Big story number one. No doubt you saw at least a portion of the press conference. Maybe you heard it in its entirety. All right. Did Donald Trump step over the line? Is this... Indications of somebody who is not ready for prime time, who's thin skinned, who is dangerously putting this country in jeopardy because of these irrational rambling type of things. Or is this the type of dressing down that the mainstream media has needed for a long time? So if you saw a portion of the press conference or all of the press conference, what? Okay, was this a home run for Trump? Or did he strike out badly? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll Free Talk Line. I have an email here, just came in. I jumped on my treadmill for a run when the press conference kicked off. I had no idea I it would be going for I would be going for that long of a run. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Though people can certainly nitpick Trump, I was impressed by the fact that he entertained every question. At one point, he said five more minutes. He went for 15 more. Trump's spontaneous answers were quite refreshing from the usual rehearsed presidential responses. I love Trump's openness and candidness. It's refreshing, though it can get him in trouble at times. Um, Some of the later analysis by talking heads backed up exactly what he said about the media in general. Okay, what did you think? 414-799-1620. four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss next. It's eight forty three Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. 846, Jeff or 620, WTMJ. Are the Packers wasting Aaron Rodgers' best years or not? The crew on the Blue 58 podcast. Delve into that topic. Listen now on WTMJ mobile app. Yeah, You can go to WTMJ.com, check out our various podcasts. Um, we, we have a number of my show is podcasts on a daily basis, and I appreciate people downloading and listening to it. We know a lot of people are doing that. Sports Central and a number of other podcasts that – you know are from people that you do not hear regularly on the radio very interesting so check it out at wtmj.com I got to tell you that press conference yesterday I have never seen anything like it the mainstream media and the commentators CNN's got this piece Trump's performance fuels worry about his presidency going off the rails okay is that really what happened Melinda in Milwaukee Melinda good morning you're first
1: hi, hi, hi Melinda. good morning uh, so I got home last night and the first thing my husband said to me did you <laughs> the press conference. Yeah, and yes, I had, and I have laughed out loud. I can't tell you what a breath of fresh air it was for both of us, for the president, the president of the United States, to say to the mainstream media the things we've been thinking yep. for years. Yep. It was. Uh, it was. So refreshing because he didn't go political and double speak and backward talk and whatever politicians do. He just said it like it was. No, CNN, I'm going to stop calling you fake news. You're very fake
0: news. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, right. I mean, he just he just let it go. And, I mean, I, like, I'm against the CNN. Actually, that's the CNN headline. They're worried about his presidency going off the rails. No, this is just Donald Trump, Trump unchained. This is no different now. He, he's no different than he was on the campaign. But he's not going to be pushed around by the forces of the mainstream you know,
1: media. They're saying things. They're criticizing him this morning for the fact that he's going back on the campaign trail. Quite frankly... Donald Trump, is, he's going to have such a hard time convincing right. those on the left, especially the far left, to ever change, to ever come around. So what he has is us.
0: Yeah. Bar- and look, let's face it, Barack Obama was on the campaign trail for eight years. I mean, that's that, it's just that they don't like his style, and they don't right. like his aggressive, uh-huh. I'm going to take I you on. <laughs> I okay. love it. All right, good enough. <laughs> Belinda, we're going to put you down as an A+. Thanks for the <laughs> call. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. I admit I'm watching this, and was it was it presidential in terms of the standards that you expect from his predecessors no but but Donald Trump I mean he he, he is a guerrilla G U E R I L L A president I mean it's he clearly he, he's he's involved he believes and I think it's correct he's not going to get a fair shake from the mainstream media mainstream media doesn't support him they're going to do everything they can to undercut him and so he's bypassing in a way even through this press conference the mainstream media and again I think people I, I un, if you don't like Donald Trump that performance yesterday gave you all sorts of reasons not to. But on the other hand, if you're a Trump supporter, my guess is a lot of people are. My guess is a lot of people are out there, just like Melinda, going, "Yeah, yeah, go for it." David in Wawatosa. David, good morning. You're in six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. I first of all, I love your program. Thank you, sir. That's very and kind you, of you.
2: Thank you. Uh, this topic is is well, it's hilarious because what Trump did was, if you're humorous, it's like it was. Watching Bizarro World, and what he did is he just provided so much material for Saturday Night Live skit.
0: Yeah. yeah, do you want to guess what the opening? Right, we. I don't think we have to guess too hard what the opening what the opening skit is going to be on Saturday Night Live on Saturday I night. Can't
2: wait to, I can't wait till tomorrow night. Yeah. Do you?
0: Do you think it was? Did he go too far? Now, I mean, I understand the critics are saying nobody's ever had a press conference like this. It was rambling. It was, I guess, defensive to an extent. He was attacking the media. Um, did, did he go too far? Was this non-presidential?
2: I thought he was unprofessional and he's finger-pointing and he's degrading the the press and the media, and I'm tired of him always blaming what's going on where there's supposed to be proof, and he's saying it's all fake news.
0: Yeah, I, The truth's going to come out. I just, I, I, I will tell you this, there are even though I, I find him to be very entertaining, and i got to tell you honestly, David, I, I, I agree with a lot of the policies he's come out with. There, there are some of these things that I wish... Uh, get over the electoral college thing. Get over the popular vote stuff. Every time he brings that up, it just fuels another couple days of stories where he gets politifact. And, and it's get over that. You, won. talk about what you're going to do instead exactly. of obsessing. Yeah, that yeah I do it's like acknowledge.
2: It's like fingernails on a blackboard. You're tired of it. It's irritating.
0: Well, especially since it's just – I mean, thanks. Especially since it's I, – I, again, I, I have. I have been – as far as policy, and I was trying to make this distinction, I, I there was, I'm quoted in the New York Times, they actually quoted off the off the program. I, I, I was, as, as you know, I was not a Trump supporter during the, I wasn't a Hillary Clinton supporter either. I, I will say this, there's, there's a lot of stylistic things that I don't like about President Trump, but I will say this, I think as far as policy. He has been a pleasant surprise. I don't agree with everything he's done. I wish he'd get off the the thing about trying to build the wall. That doesn't make any sense to me as as realistically. I I think... The the immigration ban was rolled out in a ham-handed fashion, should have been handled much differently, and and it's just, it distracted him, and now next week I think he's going to come back with a new order, which is going to perhaps pass constitutional muster, or at least make it easier to pass constitutional muster. So you've got all that type of stuff going on. But in general, I've been pleased. The, The nomination of Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, I think, is just an absolute home run. And in some respects, I find him to be refreshing and I think a lot of the criticism about how old oh, the you know the cabinets and chaos and stuff like that no I mean have they had issues where you haven't gotten a nominee or two appointed yes do you have that that infighting that's going on where the long knives come out and you know and people are trying to jockey for power yeah but that happens in other administrations too it just gets more attention because it's Trump um, I thought I, I I will tell you if you have not seen that press conference I encourage you to to go look at it because it's press conferences like that don't come along too often and you you, you do wonder you do wonder you know whether people are going to get tired of it and that, that's what I don't know are people going to get tired of the the attack mode um, is it going to sort of wear wear out its welcome or the Trump supporters going to turn um, but but right now you have a very very divided country there's just no question about it and you've got the trump supporters who are digging in i mean fox news had a poll a couple days ago which i think probably accurately reflects where the country is 48 percent support him 47 percent don't i don't think that there's too much that's going to change about that 853 jeff wagner 620 wtmj we're right in the middle of our three big things and they are very big today stick up stick around number two well some people in uw student government think Certain classes of people should get free tuition. If you haven't heard this story, you want to be listening. It's 853, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 856, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Big thing number two, and I have to admit, I have been waiting all morning to discuss this with you. Yesterday. The Associated Students of Madison, which is essentially Madison Student Government, came out with a lengthy resolution slash manifesto demanding, demanding certain changes be made to admission policies and student life at the University of Madison. I, and I swear, hand in the air, I am not making this up. Um, the resolution called for... Free tuition and housing at UW-Madison for all black students. All black students, free tuition and housing because blacks were legally barred from education during slavery. All right. Uh, The Associated Students of Madison also said that students from suburban high schools are overrepresented and that the consideration of ACT and SAT scores in applications restricts opportunities for the poor and thus upholds white supremacy. So um, the resolution demands free access to the university for all black people, by the way, including former inmates. So free tuition for prisoners, free tuition for anyone who is black, This means free tuition, free housing, and no fees. Um, The resolution also, and I swear I'm not making this up, also says that 10% of donations to the university should go towards bolstering financial aid and studying the feasibility of test-optional and geographically weighted admissions. So if somebody, you're a graduate of UW, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, we'd like a donation, and you say, "Uh, okay, I want to give... I'll give a $1,000, and uh, I want to give it to the athletic department. All right, to want to help you recruit basketball players or whatever. Ten percent of that would have to go to, again, this minority outreach. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Let us tee this up. What do you think? Uh, student government at UW-Madison says, hey, you, you had slavery. We, we have uh, black students who are underrepresented on campus. Here's the way we need to do it. Do away with the ACT. Do away with considering the SAT. Too many white kids from suburban schools coming. And free tuition for all people of color. All right. Your chance to react. 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss after the news. It's 859 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I am so delighted to have you with us. We start out every program with a segment I call Three Big Things. We are right in the middle of that. These are stories I think you need to know about for the day. Oh, by the way, later on, um, we're, we're going to talk about 911 abuse, a segment I call Docs versus Glocks, and uh, guy, a guy at Wisconsin Trapper who is in a lot of trouble. That's all coming up on today's program, but right now, it's big thing number two. The Associated Students of Madison. This is a UW... UW student group came out yesterday with a resolution demanding demanding free tuition for all black applicants to uw it also demanded that reliance on tests like the act and the sat be if not abandoned de-emphasized the argument was there's too many kids from suburban schools that are being admitted you need free tuition you need free room and board free fees the idea being that we need to do this to make up for the effects of slavery 414-799-1620 is the number let's start with Corey in milwaukee Corey, good morning you're first Hello, how you doing, sir? I, I am well. What do you think of this idea? I uh, This is
2: utterly ridiculous. I mean, slavery has been over for a long time. People need to get over it. I hate to say it. I'm a black male urban. Out of Milwaukee, been in jail. I worked hard to get where I'm at right now because uh, of my background. Nobody deserves nothing. Anybody shouldn't be given anything. You have to work hard for what you want. So whoever came up with this...
0: He needs to go back to sleep. Well, yeah, and, and see, and and look. I, by the way, ha- have no problem with trying to get a diverse student body, and maybe and some outreach, and maybe some extra financial aid. But I mean, my question is, what? What about, for example, what about the? What about the? the Black student whose dad is a doctor and his mom is whatever who, who is you know who, who's you know um, again grown up with some sort of sense of privilege. I mean, what's racist about this is it assumes kind of to your point that it assumes that that everybody every black student who's applying to UW needs some sort of you know extra consideration or needs free stuff, and that's just simply not true. I say one more
3: thing here. Sure. What about the white kid who's living? Yeah. uh quote unquote like the black kid who doesn't have the same opportunities as therefore say as the other people yeah. what about the white kid who needs help
0: yeah. does he just get pushed to the side well i, I guess i mean right now this is no, this is not a colorblind proposal this is this is directed at black students so yes let's take the example what about the the black student who grows up in River Hills and dad is a doctor and mom is a research professor for UWM who's living in in River Hills and attending I don't know University School or Homestead or Nicolay or or whatever all right that person because of their color would automatically be admitted to college and get free tuition and free room and board whereas I don't know, let's take the white kid from, you know, the, the urban area. And by the way, I don't think this applies to all people of color. I think this is just black. So the, the idea would be if you're an Hispanic kid, for example, growing up in the same conditions on the near south side as, say, an African-American child growing up in the same conditions on the north side, well, if you're a Hispanic kid, you are out of luck, I guess. Jack in Kenosha. Jack, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Good
2: morning, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: I am well, thank you. What do you think?
2: Well, I guess I, I have more of a question for you. What are these professors up there teaching in Madison? <laughs> Obviously, not economics, <laughs> because how the heck? And, and Martin Luther King, he even wanted people to be judged by the color, or I mean, the content, right. not the color of their skin. You hear talk about being racist?
0: Well, well, like,
4: this is well, unbelievable.
0: Well, it, it is. What are the professors? I, you know, I. You know, I don't know that there's any professors that have come out and endorsed this. This is actually, th- this kind of reminds me of maybe my college days where you have a bunch of kids that are just kind of like sitting around and, and smoking dope maybe and coming up with resolution, resolutions. <laughs> wouldn't the world, hey man, you know, pass that J over. And wouldn't the world be a good place if it was free tuition for all the black kids? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but
2: well, well, like, like that previous caller said, nobody should be giving anything. You should have to earn it.
0: Well, right. Right, exactly. Now, thanks. And again, I, I look, I appreciate that, that there is a value, like I was saying a minute ago, to a diverse student body. And I do also, by the way, I mean, I appreciate that sometimes, while I'm not a believer in affirmative action anymore, I, I do think that, for example, there is... You can raise a legitimate question: Is is there some sort of you know cultural bias to some of the tests, like the ACT and the SAT? And I think that's at least something that's you know reasonable people could say: Okay, maybe it's worth looking at. But that's not what they're doing here. I mean, seriously. Uh, let's talk to Mike in Whitefish Bay. Mike, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Morning, Jeff. What do you think?
2: Um, I, I think this is really ridiculous. Um, there's a lot of scholarships and a lot of scholarship opportunities and. In Madison, I went to uh, school there, and I knew a lot of African-American kids that came that got um, a lot of benefits, a lot of scholarships, and it made it available for them yeah. it was where it wouldn't have been. But yeah. free is ridiculous.
1: Right. Free right. is
2: ridiculous, and there has to be – when I was there, there was a lot – I mean, uh, there were a lot of kids of color and that got a lot of opportunities because of uh, scholarships and things, and yeah. Madison is great for that.
0: Sure. Right. If, right. if this proposal was, OK, we, we want to we want to encourage, you know, outreach uh, again and we want to encourage like increased financial aid. OK, that's fine. But right. But, but free. And then I love the idea, Mike, where they say, OK, and also to pay for this, we're going to take 10 percent. We're going to require that 10% of all the money that gets donated be spent on these kind of outreach things. All right. So in other words, if you come and ask me for $1,000 as an alumni, I'm an alum of Marquette, you know, okay, that means that $100 off the top is going to go to something that I don't necessarily want to contribute to. You want to talk about a way of killing donations. That's it right there.
2: It's trying to fix a problem that really doesn't exist because there's a lot of opportunities out there. If you're willing to do the legwork, if you're willing to do the, um, my kids are going to get ready to go to college and we've. Save quite a bit for them, but they're all still, still looking out there for what other things that they might qualify for, you know, an right. academic scholarship for, you know, a golfer or a tennis player or, or right. things of that sort that are out there. So there's a ton out there. There's whole, tons right. of websites. So if you really want to go to college and you want to do the leg work, there's a ton of opportunities out there for you. And and though, and not, I'm not even including the stuff for the minority students. But
0: right. geez, yeah, no, I, I pre- appreciate it. it. And, and look, and again, I, I do understand that there's I am a huge believer in education. And I, I do think that you need to provide, you know, as, if we're going to grow as a state, forget white, black, brown. What we need to do is you need to have an educated workforce and you need to the, the, look. The reality is I'm growing. I grew up in an upper middle class environment where the expectation was that you're going to go to college. That's just the that is just the reality. And if you wanted to go to law school, I mean, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, So, I mean, that was the expectation. I understand that there's a lot of people that don't grow up in that particular environment. Um, who could be very, very talented? and would certainly benefit from, you know, going to college. So I understand that there's a need to do some degree of outreach, and I'm, I'm not against that. But free tuition, Greg in Bayside. Greg, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, thanks
2: for taking my call. Yeah, what do you think? Um, you pretty much describe me. I, my son goes to university school. We live in River Hill. Okay. Um, but no, I don't agree with free tuition at all. You know, that is ridiculous. You're you're,
0: um, af- you're African American. You're black. I'm African American. Okay, got it.
2: And I don't agree with free tuition at all, but something has to be done. If, if people really care about equality, um, something has to be done because blacks are so far behind whites. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much because the country was built off free slavery. And if they really care about equality, something has to be done.
0: What would you think? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What would you, if you were king, <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, like, the, the free tuition and stuff doesn't work, but if you wanted to figure out a way to get more qualified African-American students into UW-Madison? What would you? How would you go about it?
2: One of, the, one of the first things I would do is I would say for the next 20 years, let's say, no taxes for black people if you're buying something, if you're buying a home or a car, anything like that. You should be tax-exempt for, let's say, 20 years, 10 years. Just so they can get caught,
0: we can get caught up a little bit, you know? Okay. Okay, and you would apply, so you, you're you taking this as a broader, broader beyond just like the, the educational thing. You're saying, okay, this is, and, and I, you didn't use the word reparations, and I want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of it. Right. To make up for slavery, this is one of the things that we should do, like no taxes or something like that. Something like that. Or,
2: you know, free education, that, that is not a bad idea, but I don't think, Black kids, I think even unprivileged white kids should
0: also be able to get free you know, to you know. Okay, good. Enough. Thanks. For call. I'm sorry, your, your cell phone was kind of cutting out there, but um, so my my question would be then, then then how again do you end up paying for this? I th- I just found this to be interesting because. the... Obviously, the, the student government, um, this was, again, it was was one of these ideas, and you, you'd think that somebody in this, this group, just like when Donald Trump was rolling out the immigration ban, I would have thought somebody in the group would have raised their hands and said, um, what are we going to do about people who have green cards, who you know are already legally in this country, are they going to be included in the ban? I would have thought somebody in the group would have raised their hand and said, really, all black people? What What about... Black people who aren't underprivileged now. Just as a question mark, what about the, the doctor that lives in River Hills um, whose kid goes to university school? I mean, what about them? But I guess, I guess that was kind of lost in the haze of marijuana smoke or something. In any event, with all due respect to the Associated Students of Madison, I think this is what I would call a non-starter. Big thing number three coming up next. A Washington State Supreme Court comes down with a ruling that I know is controversial. Stick around. 919 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine twenty-two. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Big thing number three for our Friday: a decision by the Washington State Supreme Court goes against a florist, finding that the florist discriminated against a gay couple and is therefore liable for damages, and that the florist had, well, whatever rights the florist might have had to their individual rights of expression were trumped by, trumped. No pun intended. By the um, anti discrimination law. Okay, the state of Washington has a, a law which says that people cannot be discriminated on, based on, against based on sexual orientation. That is um, not uncommon in many state statutes. So here is the story. 2013, um, two guys, gay men, Robert Ingersoll and Kurt Fried, started planning their wedding. Um, the owner of this floral shop in, in Washington State, um, the shop was called Arlene's Flowers. The shop's owner knew that these men were, were gay, and it sold them flowers for years. They come in and they say, "We want to buy. We want you to do the flowers for our wedding." She says, "Look, my Christian faith." which defines marriage as between a man and a woman creates a line. And she says, I, I just, I, I cannot, I cannot cross over this line. And look, I, I'm just, I'm sorry, I, I but I, I just, I can't do flowers for a, a wedding. At which point in time, you know, there's a lawsuit, you know, they're found to be in violation of the state's anti-discrimination law and the florist says, Well, well wait, look, I, I'm I have a First Amendment right too, and I, I freedom of religion, and I should not be forced to do something which in my opinion is in violation of my religion. A unanimous a unanimous panel and all nine justices on the Washington State Supreme Court affirmed the decision saying, Hey, that the couple is the couple is right, that um, public accommodation laws do not simply guarantee access to goods and services that serves a broader societal purpose, eradicating barriers to equal treatment of all citizens. And just like you could not deny to provide flowers for a wedding between two African-American people, um, you cannot refuse to provide flowers for a wedding to a gay couple. Um, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. This is the case, which I think is finally going to be fast-tracked for the United States Supreme Court to determine whether or not the florist should have a constitutional right if, based on, again, a good-faith religious belief, should the florist be forced to have to sell flowers and to essentially provide flowers for this couple's wedding? 414-799-1620. 877 1620 That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll Free Talk line. Does the florist have, again, we're assuming that her views are, in fact, legitimate, and this is her religion's teaching. Should she be exempt from the state's anti-discrimination laws based on religious preference or religious beliefs 414-799-1620 800-877-1620 we discuss if you're on the line please hold on it's big thing number three 926 jeff wagner 620 wtmj it's 928 jeff wagner 620 wtmj bradley in green bay bradley good morning
3: hey how's it going jeff real well thank Uh, you what do you think listen I, i these types of stories just Fire me up these days. I just, I cannot believe how ridiculous this is. I am not opposed to anybody having religious convictions or, or beliefs or anything. I That is fine. But the law of the land is these people are allowed to get married. Right. If you are in a business that accommodates those types of situations, and your convictions are so strong that they go against your religious beliefs, then you maybe should look at your business and say, maybe I shouldn't be in a service industry where I am required or should be by the law these days to say, I will accommodate gay, straight, whatever type couple. I should not. And, and, and that's what the that court,
0: comes, what the court sorry, said. Yeah. No, no. What the court said was that the, this particular florist. Doesn't have to sell wedding floral arrangements. But if it, if they do choose to sell wedding floral arrangements, then they can't discriminate, they can't differentiate on, on who they sell them to. So the choice would either be, you either do this for all weddings, or right. you don't do it for any weddings. And Correct.
3: And, and, and why is that such a hard rule to follow today? I, I definitely believe, in my personal belief, that years from now, we will look back at issues like this, and and it will reflect just like, uh, you know, years ago uh, how we discriminate against other races and stuff like that. And and now we look at those things and are like, can you believe that that was one time the standard? And I hope that we will get over this hurdle as well. That this these types of issues will not come up. I'm not against anybody's religious belief. It's just it is time. To conform to today's world and say love is love.
0: Bradley, thanks for the call. I mean, the reality here is the the reality. I think, I think this decision is correct legally. Especially since, again, Washington State has, has a law that says that you can't discriminate based on sexual orientation. And this this strikes me as clearly being discrimination based on sexual orientation. Again, if they were saying that the woman had to sell floral arrangements to everybody that would be different but this is saying if you're going to sell floral arrangements for wedding floral arrangements but the woman came in for example and said by the way i these have been customers i'm not against selling them flowers it is just flowers for the gay wedding um that's what i can't do i think frankly if they appeal it to the supreme court they're probably going to end up losing and i think the reality is it's something that people are going to have to consider moving forward it is coming up in just a couple minutes okay abuse of 911 it's an interesting story stick around and also what are we going to do with these leaks is the biggest problem the fact that stuff is going on or is that it's being leaked 36 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ resignations fiery news conferences and plenty of executive orders take an inside look at the first 100 days of the Donald Trump presidency actually hasn't even been 100 days it's been what you know going on going on 30 or 35 whatever of the Donald Trump presidency during the Wisconsin afternoon news segment at 321 today be sure and tune in John McCure does an absolutely tremendous job all right I I have to admit up until a couple weeks ago I wasn't I'd never heard this term before, so it's a new one for me. The, the term is, is deep state. And what this means is it, it's a term that they apply to – well, it's really never been applied to the United States before. It, it's a term that you apply to, I don't know, some some countries that are – I don't know. Their, their governments struggle more than you would think. The United States, um, you know, Egypt, Turkey, Pakistan—these are all countries where sometimes you hear the term "deep state." What "deep state" means is that there are networks of people inside the government. You know, these would be the, the typically it's the professional bureaucrats, or it might be holdovers from another regime. But the professional bureaucrats or the holdovers from another regime who are part of the, the government, the, the kind of the minions, if you were, who don't like the current regime or government. And so what what they do, what the bureaucracy, what these bureaucrats that are entrenched do, is they do everything they can to undermine and coerce elective, elected governments. So, you know, if you've got... It, these bureaucrats in Pakistan who don't like the current ruler, you know what they do is they leak stuff. They, they do everything they can to try to make the current ruler look bad, with the idea that they'll undermine them and maybe there's, they're going to overthrow them or something. Now that, typically, in the United States, th- there's always going to be holdovers. You have the professional bureaucrats, you know, you have the professional employees who are there through, you know, one one presidency after another. And you know, and it's it's no secret. I mean I worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office and I came in under President Reagan and worked under President Bush. And then there there are people I worked with who have been through various administrations. And then, you know, the new U. S. attorney comes in when Bill Clinton comes in and he's a big liberal and they bring in, you know, a lot of the employees, people who, you know, agree with that philosophy, so you have this mix, and the expectation is always that you're going to have these that, that people, the employees, are going to be professional, and it doesn't matter, you know, who is at the top. It doesn't matter who the bosses ultimately are. You know, you're going to you're going to do your job, and you're going to follow the instructions you have from from your boss. There, especially with what has been going on since Trump took over, there's a lot of speculation as to whether we are starting to see the emergence of a quote-unquote deep state. In this country that would be again the professional bureaucrats who don't like Trump don't agree with his policies and as such are doing everything they can to undermine the policy working from within the government now I understand that 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 might sound a little kind of conspiracy theory and things like that but the one of the indicators of that is the leaks that are coming out you know you have People with access to various types of information who decide we're not going to play by the rules. We don't care that the law says you're not allowed to sit down with a Washington Post reporter or a New York Times reporter and, and give them access to transcripts of classified intercepts, right? But, but as part of a deep state, you got these bureaucrats who don't like the administration, don't like the direction, so they view themselves as whistleblowers or, you know, people who are working for the greater good because we can't stand what Trump is doing, so they become part of, again, what we use the phrase, deep state. Yesterday at his press conference, and we talked about this a little while ago, I mean, one of the things that President Trump said is that he was going to direct the Justice Department to start investigations of some of these various leaks. Now, that is somewhat unusual, and it's more than somewhat unusual, because normally what happens is it's the agency themselves. If there is a a leak of classified information from the CIA, Normally, it's the CIA that says to the Justice Department, would you conduct an investigation? Here you have Donald Trump saying, I am directing investigations into this. He has the power to do it, but again, it's an unusual sort of thing. So it now does appear that that the president is going to be aggressively going after people responsible for some of these leaks to try to root out people who might be part of this deep state. 414-799-1620. 800-877-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Toll Free Talk line. Now, look, the reality is there have always been leaks from bureaucrats, from government employees who have their own type of agendas. This has pretty much always happened. But I don't think it's common, for example, for a president to make it a priority, as a general rule, in trying to identify who the various leakers are unless it's something like an Edward Snowden or something like that. 414-799-1620 800-877-1620 That's the AccuNet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. For example, the individuals that sat down and leaked the classified transcripts of the conversation between Michael Flynn and Russian representatives or the Russian ambassador the folks, there's four of them according to the New York Times and the Washington Post those individuals that did that should they be investigated and prosecuted, or is this no big deal? 800-877-1620, That's the AccuNet Mortgage toll-free talk line. How aggressively should President Trump go after the so-called leakers? Not just in the Michael Flynn case, but other leakers who are buried in government making decisions as to what they want to make public and what they do not nine one six twenty is the number. Would you like to see prosecutions of the people who were responsible for the leaks? We discuss next. It's 942. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Milwaukee's home to many vacant houses. How does the city plan to use those valuable spaces more productively? Our own Mike Spalding takes a closer look at a local problem. Check out his feature at WTMJ.com. Okay, Elvis, who's producing the show in lieu of Hondo today. Um, classic evidence. If you wondered whether there's no intelligent life in city of Milwaukee government, I've got the example. We'll take calls on the leakers in just a minute. They're just announcing... The Milwaukee streetcar route, hey, good news. Good news for the crazy people. Milwaukee streetcar route construction to begin in April. Starting in April, they are going to begin tearing up the city streets for this $128 million streetcar route to connect the bus depot with the city's Lower East Side. Honest to God, it is happening. Just when you thought that you could not, You could not come up with a more stupid way to spend taxpayer dollars. Tom Barrett gets his way. His legacy is the start of the streetcar construction this April. $128 million for a two-point-mile streetcar route. Again, the bus depot to the Lower East Side that nobody is going to ride. $3.2 million operating and maintenance budget for those of you who live on the south side or the northwest side or the southwest side. Ah, your tax dollars at work. I'm sorry, I digress. All right, that phrase deep state refers to bureaucrats that are embedded in government who don't like the current regime administration whatever so they do whatever they can to undermine it including leaking leaking information to the press in an effort to make the in this case the president look bad Donald Trump says he's going to start going aggressively after the leakers directing the Justice Department to find him and prosecute him should he be doing this Charlotte who's calling us from northern Illinois Charlotte good morning
5: hi good morning absolutely prosecute them to the fullest extent um, did you hear the interview with Andy McCarthy? Uh, he called this a rogue operation where you release classified information to reporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a political thing. There's no sure. crime here. General Flynn didn't commit any crime. Right. Uh, they took him out. They did selective leaking, bits and pieces of what he said. And they even it was even worse than that. How many people were wiretapped and eavesdropped? by Obama's Justice Department, Loretta Lynch, mm-hmm. and the intelligence agencies. Uh, apparently, they tried to even go to the FISA court twice at the height of a campaign season last mm-hmm. summer to eavesdrop on Donald Trump and later on, on three of his associates. The FISA court said no, you know, no criminal activity here. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't allow it. But... Um, some people call this techniques of a police state you spy on your own people right. your opponents
0: Th- that that's deep state right that that's that's exactly it. no thanks I see I guess this look I I don't I when I've talked about this before I get emails from people saying well this is how this is how watergate was exposed if if there weren't if there weren't these bureaucrats that had access to classified information who was going to who was doing this you know stuff would never be found out about no that's not true the reality is i mean there are there are mechanisms, okay? You have, for example, the Justice Department was apparently aware of the conversations in this case that Flynn was having with the Russian ambassador. So this, this was known. There, there are mechanisms within the government... To, you know, use classified information. And if you believe that there's evidence that a crime has committ- been committed or whatever, there there are ways that that can be prosecuted. There are legal ways to do this. You have a federal law, which clearly says if you have access to classified information, it is a 10-year felony if you... Make that available to someone who doesn't who, you know, is not entitled to it like a reporter. There's also a statute that arguably might allow you to prosecute the reporter. I don't think that's a good idea. But but certainly the people who are in the government, who are mired in the bureaucracy or who were in the government, who had access to this information, who make the decision that they are going to make this stuff public. They are not heroes. They are criminals. You do not have the right to do that. And I don't care whether this is a Republican buried in the bowels of the Obama administration or vice versa. I don't want an individual bureaucrat taking it upon themselves to, for whatever motive, say, I have access to this stuff by virtue of my job and my security clearance. So I I don't like this or I don't like Trump, or I don't like Flynn, or I don't like Obama, or whatever, so I'm going to go public with this. That is dangerous, and actually, I know what Charlotte's talking about. That that's It's the potential for the rogue state. Alan in Sheboygan. Alan, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good
2: morning. What do you think? I, I think you need to be prosecuted because I'm a Vietnam vet, veteran at God, I'd have been over there in Vietnam. I was classified information. I got to went to the Viet Cong. To me that's almost like tree 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 trees tree. Tree, Yeah. people taking off the Buddha's shop, like you said.
0: So that prevents them from doing it. Yeah, it it does. Uh, now, I mean, for for it to be, I I mean, I have said before that I think any time there is a leak of classified information, it is potentially treasonous. The key word there is potential. In order to have a, in order for it to be treason, you have to show that it's done with the purpose of aiding and abetting the enemy. So, in your case, you know, yeah, if you have if you have confidential information, say about troop movements, and you decide that you're going to leak that to the enemy, that would definitely be treason. This is. I mean, under the circumstances, it's probably I mean, it's just a clear violation of federal law. But yeah, I don't think Trump is out of line at all in saying we're going to put an end to this stuff. And if you're not going to follow the law, this is what we're going to do. And I would have said the same thing with Obama. Again, if you see something that's going on and you're a federal employee and you don't and you don't like it, the the answer is tough luck. I mean, it's, you know, trust me. I mean, trust me, there's lots of federal bureaucrats who, you know, have their own political positions and there's stuff that they say they don't like. You know, tough luck. I mean, then leave your job. But you don't have the right to just make it, take it upon yourself to say, hey, I'm going to call up the New York Times or I'm going to meet somebody over coffee or whatever, and I'm going to slip them classified transcripts of, my, my God, you know, conversations. Whatever your purpose is, and we understand this wasn't a noble purpose. In this case, it was a purpose of trying to make Donald Trump look bad. 953 Jeff Wagner, 620 double. W- WTMJ, coming up in about 10 minutes, I call the segment Dealer's Choice. It's my most talkable topic of the day. A Wisconsin trapper who's in trouble for killing cats. It's all coming up. Stick around. 953 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It is 9.56, Jeff Wecker, 620 WTMJ. Two well-known people from two completely different walks of life come together to offer their thoughts on the week's top story, Wisconsin's First Lady, Tanette Walker. And Brewer's radio announcer, Jeff Levering, take part in the Friday Forum during WTMJ today at 2.07. Tanette has been a very good friend of mine for a long time. I, I'm the guy that gets her beers at different events. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be sitting there. She'll be in the back and she'll, Jeff, are you going to go get a beer? And I'm saying, I'm always up for a beer. And so every once in a, maybe, maybe I'm just telling tales out of school. But that's that's it. I'm I'm Tanette's oftentimes, her designated beer boy. She only has one, but I'm glad to, glad to make those beer runs. This is um, a number of people who have been, emailing me about this the state school superintendent race and and i confess i haven't been paying too terribly much attention to it except it's another one of these things that makes my head explode um tony evers is the state superintendent of schools it right now at some point in time it might have been a significant position right now it's it's nothing i mean the at the state superintendent of schools essentially goes out and talks to grade school kids. Um, from a policymaking perspective, the legislature pretty much governs everything. Now I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's a completely a figurehead role because you have something to do with teacher standards and things like that. But, but in general it's, to the extent that, that position ever had a lot of significance, I'm not sure it makes much difference now. Evers is a big-time lefty. He's supported by the teachers' union and things like that. He's been in office since 2009. He is up for re-election. There is a primary on February 21st. And there's two challengers. and um, th- this is this is just so bizarre you're, you're hearing ads from you know one of the the two challengers who is is the guy that I'm going to be voting for um, Lowell Holtz but one of the other challengers is and one is a superintendent out of Dodgeville and one's an administrator out of beloit or vice versa um, the story that breaks this week is that apparently, Members of the business community unspecified get together and suggest it maybe one of the two of you should drop out so you can concentrate your fire on, on Tony Evers and which is by the way not necessarily unusual the example I was giving last uh, yesterday is that you know Tommy Thompson won a very heated primary um, for the Senate nomination against Tammy Baldwin six years ago but but he spent all his money in trying to win the primary, so he didn't have any money to run campaign ads for a month, and she just beat him up. I mean, that that's where the race was really lost, you know, during that, that four-week period after the primary. So the idea is, if you want to beat Evers, only one of you two drop out. Well, then there's, like, these weird allegations back and forth about, did, did they at least discuss this deal, where if one of them drops out, the other one... If that guy won, would would get a, a job that paid a ton of money and a driver and all these things. I have no idea what actually the truth of all this is, other than to say that for people who would like to see Tony Evers beaten, this is just a kind of a head exploding thing because none of them, none of them look good in this particular situation, and you kind of want to say, okay, this gives you the idea that the only winner of this is Tony Evers and the liberal establishment that's trying to push him, Um, but... Don't know how it's all going to play out. People are asking me, you know, who, who are you going to vote for? And um, I'm going to be voting for uh, Lowell Holtz, who I do think is the the one true conservative that's in this race. But um, nobody covered themselves with glory this week in that election. That's for sure. It's 959 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, our dealer's choice topic coming up right after the news. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Jane, before you leave. Yes, I, I know. I, I know you guys all love me when <laughs> I do that. Yes, yesterday Michelle Richards, before she could get out at this segment, I said, "Michelle, I got a question for you." And she, yeah, it's like you—you you don't tell me this before we go on the air. And actually, her test—I asked her if she knew what a homonym was.
6: <laughs> That's like—it's like a synonym,
0: but not. A, a homonym is uh, it, it's it's words that um sound the, sound same? the same but have different meanings. Um, there there yeah here here right versus right you know right mm-hmm. as in w-r-i-t so that's it it was like the lead into the thing i was doing about this espn reporter who got in trouble for saying gorilla tennis and somebody was saying it when venus williams was playing and the argument was oh you know you said gorilla tennis that's a racial slur said, no it's gorilla, g-u-e-r-i-l-l-a got referring it. to guerrilla warfare okay sure. no no okay Your, yours isn't the homonym question today. okay okay today is do you know where wild rose wisconsin is I know of Wild Rose, Wisconsin. I bet I couldn't find it on a map. Okay, Elvis, who's producing the show today? Do you know where Wild Rose, Wisconsin, is? You, you've never even heard of Wild Rose, Wisconsin. Oh, You guys need to get out more. Okay, I, no, I just that, that's then that. Wild Rose, Wisconsin, is a small village. It is in um, Washera County, Washera County. So, kind of center of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of by by Portage, and you know, on the way to Stevens Point and okay. things like that. It's, it's a rural county. Okay, all right. You, you get a dispensation. Okay.
7: <laughs> At least I've heard of it. Right?
0: right? She's like, why can't you just tell the damn story? Why, do, why, do you, why Why do you have to put me on this? Whatever this topic is that you're leading up to, why can't you just tell the, I the story? I would study if I knew this you're was coming, right. Jim. I just, but That's part of the fun. You know, we have to keep everybody on their toes. Okay. Now, you might say, why are you talking about Wild Rose, Wisconsin? Well, actually, it's sort of an interesting story. Let me back into this. I have a um, – in my house, I have a deck – and and we there's there's lots of my, my my little dog loves to go watch the squirrels and her her room is this big sunroom we have and and she'll go and she'll bark at the squirrels it's kind of like tv you know she it, it's 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 entertaining so last night as i am home drinking my 140 proof glass of bourbon and watching watching the the trump press conference all of a sudden the dog just starts, and it's like 11:30 at night and you know there's there's outdoor lighting and stuff and in my neighborhood, there is a big old raccoon, and the raccoon spends some time under the deck of my house. I can see where it's kind of dug under, and and I have I, this has happened before with different raccoons, and I call people out to trap them and it all, and I guess and you, you know I have to at some point in time I'm I'm going to have to call the people I call to do it because the, the raccoons out there. You want to add something to it you, 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 you okay. but it's, it's like okay, so I mean, I've got the raccoon there, but but the dog the raccoon really I, I should get rid of it, I get it um but and I, I will do that sometime soon because it's not good to have a big little raccoon living under your living under your deck, but it, it's entertainment for the dog she's barking at, it. and as long as I keep her away from the raccoon, things will be okay, so she's barking at this thing last night, and i'm I'm looking at it go now when I have trapped previous raccoons, um the, the trappers come out and they they always feel compelled to tell me what they are going to do with the raccoon. Now, maybe this is just me, but but I I love animals. But I'm sorry, when they trap the raccoon, I don't care what they do with the raccoon. Once they get the raccoon, if they want to drive the raccoon 200 miles to like a a raccoon ranch in in northern Wisconsin where the raccoon can happily frolic with all his, his pals, I'm cool with that. But at the other hand, if they want to get rid of the raccoon in some other way, I'm okay with that as well. Now, that, again, it might reflect, it might just kind of reflect a, you know, failing on my part. But I don't care what happens to the raccoon other than I want the raccoon out of my backyard, and I don't want to see the raccoon again once I, I pay for that. So that's kind of my philosophy. doesn't matter what you do with them, and you can fill in the blank there. All right. How does this tie into Wild Rose? Well, here's the deal. There is a there's a guy. Wild Rose is, is very, it, it's it's rural and there is a guy his name is sam wood and he's he's a trapper you know he he goes and he traps animals for you know various things so he, he will put out you know he will put out the traps and what happens from time to time is that feral that is wild cats will who are roaming the areas they will get caught up in they will get caught up in in the traps. So you've got and now now feral cats. If you live in rural areas, pe- people will tell you feral cats are huge problems because you know if you have chickens or things like that, they, they attack. You know, they, they don't you do not want feral cats. You do not want wild cats. So in any event, this guy um, he's a trapper, and he he will from time to time again find feral cats that are caught in in his trap. So what he does about a week ago is he takes to social media and he posts a he posts a photo online of one of these feral wild cats that were caught in one of his his traps and he he says he he does this with the idea of of making a point of the, the dangers to the environment posed by feral cats. And so he puts this picture up of, of the tra- the cat caught in his trap, and as part of the posting, he says, hey, when I catch these cats in my traps, I kill them, right? These wild cats, I, I kill them. Well, this has generated, needless to say, an Internet storm. The guy is getting hate mail from all over the world talking about what an awful person he is for killing These these cats, the Wild Rose police chief tells W.I.S.N. Channel 12 that he's received at least 10 calls from all over the country in the last couple days demanding that this guy be prosecuted for killing the cats. Now, um, under the law, he hasn't done anything illegal. Um, wild feral cats that are caught in traps are considered an incidental catch as part of his animal trapping activity. So he hasn't done anything illegal. Um, he says that he is getting just barraged by, again, hate email from all across the, the, the country and all across the world for you know, catching these cats in his trap and then killing them. He says, I, look, I'm not apologizing. He says, everybody says I'm cruel. Listen, I'm not out here dismembering cats. I'm not out here for the fun of it catching cats. He says, but once you start digging into invasive species and native species and emerging yourself in all this, you can see the problems. People don't see you know, the cats as the problem they are because they're not immersed in this. This is what it's really about. He says, talking about nature, let's save this. So he is unapologetically saying, hey, when I catch cats in my trap, I'm going to kill them. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. I call this segment dealer's choice. It's a topic that I find to be incredibly talkable. All right, th- this is... This guy out of Wild Rose is now getting international attention most of it bad people saying hey you're a trapper you know you catch these feral cats how dare you number 1 catch them and number 2 you know how dare you you kill them you know to the extent you catch them you should just be releasing them back into the wild That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Look, I love animals. I I, I do. If you're a regular listener to this program, you know how important my little dog is to me. But, all right, this guy, does he deserve to be berated like this, or is is his position, you know, a a real one? Hey, I, I put out these traps. I'm a licensed trapper. This is a legitimate activity, and, you know, if I catch cats, these feral cats in there, Boom, I'm not just releasing them again. 414 is this something that should be a law? Should you be allowed not allowed to do what he's doing? Is he as evil as people seem to suggest? Or, particularly if you live in a rural area, are these feral cats an enormous problem? And is this guy really doing a service to people? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1017 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's ten nineteen. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Okay, the story comes from Wild Rose, which is in Washahara County, middle of Washer County, middle of the state. A guy is a trapper, and feral cats, wild cats, keep getting caught in his traps. He. He kills them once he catches them. And he does a posting on social media saying, hey, these these feral cats are a problem. You know, this is what happens. Well, he's now getting hate email from all over the world. People calling the local authorities saying he deserves to be prosecuted. It's not against the law what he's doing. But, all right, he he says, if I catch these cats, I I kill them. Is that a mistake? Let's start with, uh, let's see, Jim in Fond du Lac. Jim, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Good
2: morning. Um, I think what he's doing is a good thing there are so many feral cats out there the humane societies are just stuffed with cats and it's a pool impact fact the millions of songbirds they get a year in the state of wisconsin let alone other states and i think it's a big reason we it's so rare to even see a pheasant nowadays it's just so many cats out Cruising the countryside.
0: So that's, and I, I think that's the point he's trying to make. He says, "Look, if you're really into, he said I, I'm into nature. I'm into preserving the environment." And he used that exact exact example. I think you did with the songbirds. He says, this is this is what these wild cats they, they kill. This he said, "I'm actually doing a, a service if you want the beauty of nature because that's what these cats do. They 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 are an invasive species.
2: Well, it's a predator when they're out there, It's a predator, just like a coyote." Um, you know, uh, Fox and things like that in this season of those. I don't know if it's legal to shoot a feral cat in Wisconsin. That came before the spring meeting several years ago when Governor Doyle was uh, governor, and they were passed at these DNR spring meeting but um, he yeah. wasn't allowed to
0: happen. Yeah, and, and I and I don't know, I don't know either. This guy's—he's a licensed trapper. These are, and there's no problem. You know, if one of the cats gets caught in one of his traps, there's no problem with that because it's kind okay. like of incidental thing. But I don't know. I have no idea about the shooting. Okay, thanks for your call 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll free talk line. Robert in Wild Rose. Robert, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good to
3: talk to you. Um, Two points. One point is these cats are dangerous. They eat the environment. They eat the natural wildlife that lives in there, and I don't think people realize that that don't know about it. But to your question, should he be berated, why in your right freaking mind would you put that online to say what you do? Right there, you just open the door. It's like, why do people do this stupid stuff to themselves so they open themselves up to this?
0: Um, so you don't have a problem with what he's doing. You just think this is one nope. where stay the heck off of social media.
2: You know what? Common sense is common sense, but I guess it's not uh, everybody's cup of tea sometimes to
0: have it. Yeah, and, and thanks for and, – in his defense – He's saying, "Hey, I was actually trying to call attention to th- this this issue. The, I, I wasn't glorifying the fact that I was, you know, killing feral cats. I was trying to call attention to the the problem that feral cats pose. But trust me, as somebody who, as somebody who hears from people all over the world every time I talk about a topic near and dear to my heart, which is pit bulls and the need." For if you're going to own a pit bull, you have to make sure you control the pit bull. Every time I go down that route, I get email, some of which is very, I, some of which you could classify as hate email from people in Australia or New Zealand, going, "Why do you hate pit bulls?" I love dogs. I just think you have to control them. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. Bob on the northwest side. Bob, good morning.
2: Good morning, Jeff. Happy Friday, and welcome to spring.
0: Uh, yeah, no kidding. Hey, it's up to 53 degrees in our studio here. All right, rock on.
2: I'm going golfing today. Where are you going to play? Hey, uh, I don't know yet. My buddy okay. said he's going to make arrangements. I'm meeting at his house at 2 o'clock.
0: Little bit, uh, you know, a little bit wet, but you know, at least you get out and get to swing the clubs. Works for me.
2: That's yes, uh, right. <laughs> I, uh, okay, I'm
0: sorry. We digress. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Here's my take on this. What he's, I get what he's doing. And like your other caller said, though, social media. And I've seen the post. Right. He is more glorifying that he's killing these cats, I think, okay. than anything. And my, my son is going through the uh, college recruiting uh, aspect for football right now, and the first thing his recruiter told him, stay off of social media. Yeah, Because anybody and everybody is going to misconstrue anything you put on there, and that's what's happening right now. He's got to stay off of social media. I get what he's doing. And if he really, in his deep down heart, wants to, send a message about feral cats there's other ways to do that than posting what he's posting on
0: facebook right so yeah no i think i think that's right i think that you think thanks i mean i think that's i think that's that's fair um i i don't i don't have a problem with him doing you know what i'm i'm doing what he's doing but at the same time i do think you invite all that type of you know all those those issues, um, and you know th- this is especially in some of these rural areas. When you do put these traps out there, um, sometimes you get you know, legitimate pets that get caught in them as, as well, not the feral cats. So you always have to be careful about that. But um, in any event, if you want to wonder if you wonder when, whether why wild why, why rose of all places is now the subject for I don't know international animal rights focus, it is because the guy made the decision to. Put this up on Facebook. Now, as for me, like I say, when I hire the trapper to catch the big raccoon, I really don't care what happens to the raccoon. Doesn't matter. Maybe that makes me a bad person. You can do whatever they want as long as the raccoon doesn't come back to continue living under my deck. It's 1025, Jeff Wagner. 620 W T M J. Coming up next, they call it docks versus Glocks. Stick around. It is 1027, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, like we were just discussing, 50, 52, 53 degrees mid-February. And and I I understand, by the way, that this is not going to last. We will we will undoubtedly have some return of winter, I suspect, maybe, you know, I, although you look at the long-term forecast and there doesn't appear to be any snow on the horizon because of the temperatures. And if this is global warming, at least as it applies to us, I understand, maybe if you live on the polar ice cap, it might be different, but... You give me you give me forty and fifty two degree fifty degree weather in February in Milwaukee Wisconsin or southeastern Wisconsin and I'm going to say thank you um, very much. So we're going to have a little bit more winter, but um, bottom line is once you get to March, the truth is even if you get some snow, it's gone in a few days. Uh, Spring is right around the corner. That's great. Hey, are you looking for career advancement but not sure how to get things going? Catch some easy tips on taking a more active role in your professional development. That's during Wisconsin's afternoon news at. 4.30 today. Okay, no surprise here. Um, Tammy Baldwin, who is the uber, uber, uber liberal senator um, from Wisconsin, the junior senator behind Ron Johnson. She's up for re-election in 2018. It will be a brutal re-election battle. Um... If a good candidate emerges and there's good candidates out there, I think Tammy Baldwin goes down to defeat because she's just way, in my opinion, way out of the mainstream. Well, after President Trump nominated Neil Gorsuch to be the new justice on the Supreme Court, first of all, Baldwin came out and said, number one, I'm not even going to meet with him. Number two, I'm not going to support him. And number three, I'm going to do everything I can to try to block him from having a vote. Well, okay, good, Tammy. That's great. Yesterday she apparently met with him and – Nothing has, of course, changed. No surprise there. She says, I just I just I will not support a Supreme Court nominee who is too often favored big business over workers and retirees. Of course, you know, reading from the Democratic talking points. um, And she goes on to just say, I just don't think um, I just don't think he will protect the constitutional rights and freedoms of Americans. That statement in and of itself tells you why it is so important to defeat Tammy Baldwin in 2018. This is, it's not just that she's a hopeless lefty. It is that she is a hopelessly out-of-touch lefty. And it's why I hope the Republican Party gets its act together. And there's a lot of really strong candidates to replace Baldwin. And I hope the party is able to, I don't know, have several of them, have a spirited primary, and then the the best candidate emerges. Because if, if you care about You know, advancing conservative ideology in the state of Wisconsin and nationwide, defeating Tammy Baldwin in Wisconsin in 2018 has to be one of the top priorities, together with re-electing Governor Walker. Okay, coming up in just a couple minutes, they call it Docs versus Glocks. I'll tell you about it, we'll discuss. And I'm Jeff Wagner. Mike, before you leave, what was that story about the guy with the recycling bins on his head? Yeah, so it was on a Milwaukee, it was on the near west side this morning. Okay. He had reportedly stolen some of those small blue recycling bins okay. from the behind a Walgreens and he okay. uh, on his head so we he couldn't see, walked out into the street and got hit by an SUV. Okay, he so so the guy rips off recycling bins. Yes. puts them over his head. Yes. <laughs> starts starts running, presumably running or walking away with recycling bins over his head. And then gets hit by a car? Yes. And the driver of that car was on a suspended license
4: and was reportedly speeding uh, and had um, alcohol may have played a factor as well. So Uh, kind of a mess this
0: morning. Uh, Alcohol might have played a factor in the guy driving, they think, as opposed to the guy who had the the bins on his head. Correct. Well, and, and what happened, I, I don't mean to be, what, what, hap- is th- what, what happened to the guy who had the recycling bins on his head who got hit? Um, seriously injured or don't we know? Uh, he died. He died? Yes. Yes. On scene. <laughs> I. It's, that's a law school exam right there. I mean, it, it, it's just a law school exam. A guy's got recycling, he's ripping off recycling bins, walking into the street, can't see, and a guy who might have been drinking comes along and gets hit and hits him and speeding. Well, this is one of the reasons why. Okay, so imagine you're the assistant district attorney now and you're getting this case and you're having to decide what am I going to do with this? Do I charge the guy with homicide by intoxicated use of a motor vehicle when it turns out you got a guy walking into the street apparently with with stolen recycling bins on his his hat, his head. Have to think that one through. We're going to mark that case down to kind of watch it because uh, that's going to be an interesting decision. There there's, there are so many rules of life, lessons of life coming from that story. You almost don't know where to start, including don't drink and drive and don't steal recycling bins. And if you do, don't put them over your head and don't walk out into traffic. You can't make this stuff up. It's 1036. Coming up next, Docs versus Glocks. Stick around. <laughs> Ten thirty eight, Jeff Wagner, six twenty W T M J. All right, here's the story. It, it, it it's called it's a it's a Florida law. It was called docs versus glocks. Let me um, let me give you kind of the big picture. There are and maybe you have had this happen to you. Your child hurts themselves. You know, your your kid is running, falls down, breaks their arm. You know, your your kid um, I, I don't know. What, whatever. So you have to go to the emergency room. You bring your child into the emergency room. Broken arm. What, whatever. Just you know, stuff, stuff that ends up happening because kids are kids and things happen. And maybe you've had a situation where the, the doctor doesn't allow you into the examining room, at least at first, because the doctor wants to question your child. As to the nature of the injury, you come in and say, "Hey, I, I think my kid's got a, my. I think my nine-year-old, you know, daughter or my nine-year-old son has a broken arm. He was out there playing. He fell out of a tree or whatever." And the doctors will then separate you from your child and will question your child because their their purpose in doing this is to try to determine whether or not. You, you know, you actually, are you, are you a child abuser? Is your story correct? And they'll ask your kid questions about how did this injury really happen? And does mom ever hurt you or dad ever hurt you? Things like that, 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 and I'm sure many of you perhaps have found yourself in that situation. Also, what will happen is when you take your minor children into the doctors, oftentimes they will interview and do questionnaires with your children asking about, Practices in the household outside of your presence, do mom or are there illegal drugs in the household? Um, have you ever seen mom or dad drink too much? That type, don't that, ask those type of stuff as part of a questionnaire to try to determine, ostensibly whether the, the child is in danger. Now, candidly, I have nothing wrong. I have no problem with trying to, you know, determine information as to whether or not there's an abusive situation. I do have issues though with. You know, doctors, and I appreciate the doctor-patient relationship applies to the child, but I do have issues with doctors separating, absent any evidence that there's something going on, with doctors asking kids those type of questions about what goes on in, in the household. It's just, I, I think it is an, I think it is something that, in my opinion, um, is, is nobody's business, I guess, you know. Do, do mom and dad ever have drinks? Well, who who cares? I mean, it, now if there's evidence that mom and dad are neglectful parents because they're drinking too much, that's something. But that's one of my pet peeves. In any event, in in Florida, they have a law, and it's been called the the Docs versus Glocks law. About five years ago, um, Florida's legislature passed something that was called the Fire Owners Firearms Owners Privacy Act. This law prohibited doctors in Florida from asking routine questions about their patient's gun ownership unless the information was deemed relative relevant to patient care or to the safety of others. And see the way this was used is you would have doctors as part of these routine questioning, particularly like of minors, where they would go in and they would ask they would ask patients. And, and document. They'd ask questions about, okay, are, are there guns? Are there guns in the house? Do mom and dad have guns? Are there guns in the house? How are they kept? You know, have you ever had access to a gun? Stuff like that. They would ask. They would ask patients this, and they would then make notations about, you know, how the patients answered. And they would also do this again for for minors. It would be okay. You know, are there guns in the household? Have you ever seen mom or dad with a gun? Those type of things. This law made it illegal for doctors to ask those questions unless there was a determination that again it was deemed relevant to the patient care or to the safety of others but just routinely checking off the box do you have guns in the house what type of guns doctors weren't allowed to ask that question well the doctors said this is you know this is part of a health epidemic we need to have this information, and even though there's no evidence that there's, I don't know, guns are being mishandled or that the kids have guns, we need to be able to ask patients these questions, and the, the government shouldn't tell us what we can and cannot do. And so doctors' groups sued, again, arguing that this is, that this is part of part of an overall safety thing, and, and this was actually inspired, At least the challenge was inspired by groups like Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership um, who are out there, you know, pushing issues like this. Well... Florida appeals court heard this case earlier this week and actually struck down the law said no we believe that this is an unconstitutional limitation on doctors free speech rights and they should have have the right to you know question patients about anything and everything they see fit and if they want to ask for example minor kids about whether or not there's guns in the household or things like that they should be able to do that 414-799-1620 800-877-1620 that's the acunet mortgage toll free talk line. Where do you stand on this? Now, on the one hand, you could make the argument that, hey, if, if you are a responsible gun owner, what, what do you care? So you, you take your 12-year-old child in, for example, to a doctor, and if the doctor wants to ask that kid outside of your presence, if that doctor wants to ask you questions about you know guns in your house, you know, should you care? Does, does it make any difference? If you've got nothing to hide, who, who cares about that? At the same time, I mean, is it going too far for doctors to routinely quiz people about gun ownership and the presence of guns in the household? Is that, again, absent some evidence that it's related to safety or there's some sort of problem, is that a doctor going too far? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the AccuNet mortgage toll-free talk line. This, again, it's part of this overall thing where the doctors, you know, how did you get hurt? You know, are there drugs in the house? Do mom and dad smoke? Do mom and dad, you know, drink? When have you seen them drink? Do they ever fight? All those type of things. Um, should doctors be allowed to routinely, absent evidence, any evidence suggesting that it's an issue, inquire about gun ownership in the house? What do you think? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1045 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1049, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. Uh, back in 2011, Florida passed a law which prohibits physicians from asking people, including minors, about gun ownership. Um, it says unless unless there's something that's specifically relevant to the, the patient's treatment. Um doctors say no we should be we have an ethical obligation to counsel people on responsible firearm ownership we have every right to ask kids about whether there's guns in the household and whether they're secured and whether they've ever had access to them whether they see mom and dad with guns those type of things um the law was originally struck down earlier this week uh, Court of Appeals said nope. There, there's no problem with this. Matter's probably headed to the Supreme Court. What do you think? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. George in Shorewood. George, good morning.
2: Yeah, I agree with the ruling. Uh, how old? Are, you mentioned twelve year old, but a five year old wouldn't really know the reality of the questions he's answering, uh, depending on their situation. If it's a single parent, if it's something that happened. Uh, it's just it's it's to me it's uh, it, it was the right ruling and it's going it, it's going too far there's got to be i mean in certain situations they said if, if it's appropriate yes sure but I don't think they should have a carte blanche
0: well right I mean obviously i mean obviously if there's a situation for example where you're bringing somebody in who's a gunshot wound victim or something I think it's completely appropriate to do that but yeah i, I guess i'm I'm with you as well I just have I just feel uncomfortable about this entire thing about, you know, doctors, for example, especially when it's minor children, questioning them about behavior without any sort of evidence to indicate that there, there's a problem under this guise of, well, we, we want to be safe overall. I just have an issue with that. I do, too. Uh, no, thank you. No, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Uh, Jeb in Dousman. Jeb, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Jeff. Yeah, I... I I don't think it's right, and but the and I've been asked those questions too, and I just told the doctor it's none of your business, and he just nodded right. and said, "Yep, okay," right. and went on to the next question. So whenever I go to a doctor's office too, they want to know um, how much I drink, and I just right. don't fill it out. I just right. don't check it, and nobody says, "Hey, you've got to check this." No, they don't. But at the, but at
0: the same time, let's imagine a situation where you've got you know a. a you know your your ten year old son that's seeing their pediatrician. You know your ten year old son in all likelihood is going to answer those things. You're right. You mean you can't be forced to answer them, but I think a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Okay. All right.
5: Yeah. And,
2: and, and the, yeah they're going to just confuse things, and people are going to lie anyhow. So yeah. why even bother?
0: Well, right. I mean, they, I mean. Well, I guess. I mean, again, if there is, if there is evidence that is out there suggesting that there's an issue, whether it's with, with I don't care what it is, whether it's guns or, or, or you know, slippery floors or whatever. I mean, I have no que- problems with the doctors trying to, to, to find that out. The bigger issue, though, is about, quote-unquote, counseling people... Okay, gee, you have guns in the house. Let me now counsel you on the best way to keep guns. Dave and Racine. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Good morning. You know, it's interesting that I uh, kind of to turn this around with over 90,000 people a year dying from uh, medical errors. Maybe we ought to start asking the doctor how many they've committed, uh, <laughs> you know, asking if they uh, they drink, use drugs or <laughs> and, such, and, you know, and maybe start criminalizing medical malpractice with punishments that even include corporal punishment. We could call it
0: whack-a-quack. <laughs> whack-a-quack. Now, see, see you're going to get me in trouble, Dave, with the medical profession. I, I understand. It's just a question of what is too far. And I, I also appreciate what our last caller was saying about you, you don't have to answer. But the issue is, okay, again, if, if it's the pediatrician asking question about firearms and you bring the 12-year-old in, is... Okay, is the kid going to know that you don't have to necessarily answer these questions? And if the kid refuses to answer, is that going to be an indicator that maybe something is going wrong? It's 1053, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. (music) 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, big tour group from the Academy of Accelerated Learning on the southwest side coming through. Always nice to see everybody showing the big board and all. And everybody's always amazed by like this board I sit in front of with like all the different flashing lights and stuff. And the bottom line is they only let me push like three or four buttons tops. And uh, otherwise, there's some buttons here. I have, I've been here for 20 years. I have no idea what some of these do. And that's probably just as well. Don't push that button, Jeff. Are the Packers wasting Aaron Rodgers' best years or not? The crew on Blue 58 podcast delve into the topic. Listen now at the WTMJ mobile app. Cindy in Lake Mills. Hi, Cindy. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
6: Yeah, I, you know, about the kids, uh, you know, the doctors being able to ask children right. about if their parents have guns or something or other things in the house, I think it's very appropriate. And if the parent can't understand that, then they have something to hide. Um, I think it's,
0: you know, why do you, very, why do you assume, I mean, why do you assume that they have something to hide?
6: <laughs> well, I, I don't. But if the parent is afraid to leave the room so the doctor can actually ask, I mean, we took my grandson in, and he was—he um, broke his collarbone. Right. Uh, he fell off of the um, the slide because he sure. was looking at Grandpa doing something. <laughs> sure. And he he missed it. He he sure. grabbed, and nothing was there, and he fell, and he hit his shoulder. Sure. And you know, they wanted him to explain it because he was only a, a toddler, yeah. and I, I think he was four or five when he did it, and um, but they wanted him to explain it, not us. Because they wanted to see if, what really happened, right? And um, I mean, they didn't ask us to leave, but they wanted him to explain it. So right. we closed our mouths and he explained what happened.
0: Uh, but but see, in, let me let me. What I see it might be a distinction in those cases. In, in your situation, you're, you're presenting your grandson's got an injury, so they're they're questioning to you know, okay, is this how it really happened to, to try to ferret out child abuse? And so I, I understand that. But what about a situation where? There's there's no there's no evidence at all that there's anything wrong. You know, do you you know, asking absent any evidence at all that there's a situation asking, do you watch mom and dad drink? Do mom and dad have a gun in the house absent any evidence that it's going on?
6: No, that, that he has no right to ask. We're there for this problem. Right. And nothing else. Those questions are, are right. irrelevant.
0: Yeah. No, thanks. And, see, and I guess that, see, that's my that, that's my point. I understand in your scenario, I, I understand you, you bring in the kid. the Child's got the broken arm and you know, you say the child fell out a tree or fell off a slide or whatever, and you, you just wanna, the doctors wanting to make sure that this was, was happening, to me that is relevant and I, I understand that concern. My concern is the broader things when you're questioning the children, again, about habits that the parents may or may not have Absent any evidence that it turns out to be a problem. Do mom and dad smoke? Do mom and dad, you know, do, do you ever see dad drink? Do you ever see mom drink? How much do they they drink? Are, are there any firearms in the house? All perfectly legal activities without, again, in your example, Cindy, without any evidence. I mean, I, I get it, the child's been injured. Yeah, I think it's, it's appropriate. Um, it's, it's appropriate to ask a couple questions to determine what really happened. But just prospectively, gee, I'm going to ask you questions about things that don't appear to be relevant to any problem that you are presenting with. That's where I kind of have the concern. It is 1059, the 11 o'clock hour. We've got a lot of fun stuff. WTMJ, uh, our weekend review comes up. Before, But before that, speaking of kids, huge debate reigniting about seat belt usage on school buses. Stick around. 1059, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. <laughs> It's 1109, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, or WTMJ Week in Review, coming up in about a half hour. All right. I, I was going to save this for Monday, but, you know, I will be kicking myself all weekend because I want to discuss it with you. I One of the things, if I were ever applying to be a judge one of the things that they always ask you is you know what cases do you think what's what's a case that you think was really well decided what's one that you think was not and one of the things i would say was not is the supreme court's decision u.s supreme court's decision on eminent domain giving government the right to take private property for I don't know sort of questionable purposes and there's a local story playing out that just strikes me as being wrong and I want to discuss it with you out in brown deer there there's a business it's called right height and right height wonderful local company it, it's actually they've got they, they do business globally but they, they make I don't know they make they make like Loading dock things, things like that. It's sort of industrial things. Employ, I think, somewhere north of 200 people in the Brown Deer location, but employ like a couple thousand worldwide. So they've been in this Brown Deer location for forever. They're right off of Brown Deer Road. In order to take advantage of potential expansion, they own, they own what is now a, a vacant field that is um, just on the north side of, of their property. And the idea has always been, hey, we, we have this land here because we've got our business. And, you know, we want this land here because we might, you know, our, our, we might expand at some point in time. And we want to have the land that is available for us to expand to. So we bought this thing. We're, we're set. So it, it's here. So we know that in the future we're going to be all set. All right. Well, turn. let's turn now to the village of Brown Deer. All right. Brown Deer has this. This public works facility where they keep like I assume snow plows and, and trucks and things like that. Um it it used to be an old fire station. So it's and they've had it for it was built about thirty years ago, so now it's an old fire station and it's in need of repair and it's not big enough to house all the different trucks that they have. So they're they're looking for they're looking for some new land that they can they can, you know, move into. So they're saying, okay, they look around. Well, this fire station where they keep some of the municipal trucks, it borders on the, this land that Wright-Height owns, that this field that Wright-Height owns that they're keeping for future expansion. So the folks in Brown Deer say, well, we've got this idea. This is the village of Brown Deer. We've got this idea. You know, we need some more space. So what we're going to do is we just want to grab the land that Wright-Height owns that they're saving for future expansion. So they go to Wright-Height, and they say, do you want to sell this? And Wright-Height essentially says, no, we don't want to sell it. We're saving this for, you know, expansion that we might have. So the village of Brown Deer then says, okay, they, they, they don't want to sell it to us. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to grab it. We're going to use eminent domain to force this company to give up this land um, that it is saving for you know future expansion we're going to force them to give this to us now we're going to have to pay them whatever a court would decide fair market value but we're going to take their property from them and the folks at right height are saying wait a second now this isn't a deal where you know you you need to you're you're, you're expanding a road you know we we need to take some of your property cuz we've got to build th- this road this isn't We're putting in a school, and, you know, we need to take some space because this is the only place for the school. This is just, well, you know, we've got this older public works thing, and we've decided the easiest thing for us to do would just be to grab the land next door, even though you, private business, don't want to sell it to us. All right, we're going to take it anyways. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. This to me, and please feel free to disagree, this to me is everything that is wrong with eminent domain. You have these municipalities, in this case, like I say, this isn't we're, we're expanding a roadway, so you know we need to take the land because we're gonna run this through your property. This is, it would be easiest just for us Because we want to build another, you know, this isn't even a municipal building. We're just looking for some place where we can, you know, put our our snow plows or whatever, or our dump trucks or whatever it's going to be. And it would just be easiest to just you know, be next door to the place we're going to have. So we don't care about what the business wants. We don't care the fact that they're saving this for future expansion. We are going to grab it from them. We're not going to give them any choice. We are going to take this from them. 414 That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. This strikes me as being a gross abuse of authority by in this case the village of Brown Deer 414-799-1620 800-877-1620 that's the AccuNet mortgage toll free talk line does it bother you that these local communities have decided hey you know we you know th- it's just easiest for us to do that why bother looking around for other property? The easiest and simplest one is for us to just grab this adjacent land, and who cares if the owner doesn't want to sell it or not? 414 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1114 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And if you live in that area, or just this general concept about villages, communities, just being able to willy-nilly grab property because they want it, as opposed to because they need it when the businesses don't want to sell. Again, it's one thing to make the company an offer. And if the company says, okay, yeah, we're, we're interested in selling, this is great, we'll, we'll do it. But when the company says, no, we, we don't want to sell, I mean, this idea that, okay, you don't sell to us, we're just going to take it. I mean, my goodness gracious, isn't that how the mob operates? It's 11:15. We discuss next. Stick around. 1117, Jeff Wagner, 620 w- WTMJ, Jeff, you're just tuning in. Okay, Wright Height is a wonderful local business. They're located in Brown Deer off of Brown Deer Road. They've got their facility that's been there forever, and they've got like six acres of, of wooded, lo- a wooded lot next to their facility that they're saving for expansion. Bordering that is the, the old, garage Brown Deer Public Works facility which is really just a garage and apparently they've outgrown the, the building is in disrepair they've kind of outgrown it so Brown Deer wants okay that they want place for a new garage so they say, hey, it would just be easiest. We, we'd like to we'd like to get this space that Wright-Height owns na- next door. Then we don't have to worry about moving too far. Well, Wright-Height says, well, no, we don't want to sell. We're saving this for our you know, expansion. We, we don't want to sell. So Brown there says, well, okay, fine. You don't want to sell. Heck with you. We're just going to take it via eminent domain. Now, this isn't, gee, we, we, we can't find other places. This is just, it's easiest for us to do that. We don't care if you want to save it for, again, expansion, so maybe you'll bring more jobs in the area. We're just going to grab it because we want we want some more space so we can build another garage 414-799-1620 this is in court this this is what is wrong with this whole eminent domain thing. I mean, I understand eminent domain if it's the only place where you can build a municipal courthouse or something like that. I understand eminent domain when, hey, we have to expand the roadway, so we've got to take, you know, some area along the side of the road. But this is just a pure land grab from a local business, in this case, that, you know – it. Shouldn't they have the right to save their property instead of saying, we're not going to be forced to give it to you, to sell it to you at whatever price is determined, simply because you want to put a garage in? Larry in Muskego. Larry, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Larry.
2: Yes, hi. Hi. Um, Given a quick call, I had a situation actually with a relatives of mine that lived up in Pittsburgh. Now, this goes back a number of years ago, about 50, 55 years ago. Uh, My third cousin's owned uh, well over 100 acres of land just outside of Hartford on Pike Lake. And what happened is the state came in and decided they wanted to turn it into a state park and took the land from him. I know he tried fighting it. It didn't go anywhere. Uh, He raised horses out there. He had Arabians and ponies that he raised. He also had spring-fed ponds where he raised trout, sold them to trout farms. Uh, and he worked at Place Tannery. My, my family owned the Place Tannery at the time up there in Hartford. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was where he wanted to retire and stay. And the state simply came in and said, nope, uh, we want this land for a State Park. And uh, he just had no options on it. Right. They simply took it away from him.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's the whole way that's playing out is, is eminent domain. Thanks to caller. I mean, I mean, that—that that is it is just this grab. Um, for, from people who do not want to sell. Now, again, I understand the purpose behind eminent domain, and sometimes there's just no choice. You, you've got to put in a road. All right, so and you got some property owners that that don't want to sell. Well, okay, that to me that's where you invoke eminent domain. It's like, no, this is the this is the best route for the road, and we're sorry, but we need to run this, and we're going to pay you a fair market value. But I I understand that you can't stop progress, and at some point in time, private landowner rights have to give way to the progress for the betterment of the community. I understand that. So I mean. Roads are the the best example of that. And you can't let, like, one person ju- just block that. But that's not what's going on here. Shame on the people up in Brown Deer. It's not like there's not... A lot of other places, for example, i got to believe in brown deer that you couldn 't find to put space for a darn garage to put a bunch of dump trucks or snow plows or whatever but this is it 's just it 's more convenient for us gee we 've already got this existing decrepit building it 's more convenient for us to just to take the space next door. And it doesn't matter if they want to sell or not, we're going to take it anyways. Doesn't matter if they might be saving that so at some point in time in the future, not today, not tomorrow, but at some point in time in the future, if they want to, heaven forbid, bring more jobs to the Brown Deer area, that they would have a space to expand. No, we want to take it so we can put a garage in. This is, it is. It is an example of everything that is wrong with the whole concept of eminent domain. More than reasonable to try to negotiate a sale. Hey, you know, it'd be more convenient if we could just get some of this property to you know to build the garage. It wouldn't require us moving as much stuff or whatever. It'd be more convenient. You know, if you want to go to the property owner and you want to say, hey, would you be interested in selling to the selling us? I think that is perfectly appropriate. But this eye that you you know are 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 taking. That you are taking from the property, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm saying taking under the eminent domain law, you you have to be paid what a judge describes as fair market value. So it's not just um, it, it's not just that you're completely. I mean, it's not like they're grabbing it and the people aren't being compensated. But the point is, in this case, the company doesn't want to sell. The company doesn't want to sell, and they, they can't agree on a purchase price for this. I mean, it's like okay somebody comes okay you you've got your house you love your house and they say I want to take your house from you they we say, well I, I'm not I'm not in the market I don't want to sell I love the neighborhood I don't want to move well okay we're we but we want this you know you have to to sell so you say well in order for me to sell I, I'd have to get a lot more than it's worth no 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 we're the government we don't want to pay you what you want we want to pay you what some judge says the thing is worth this just plain stinks Jeff in Pewaukee. Jeff, you're on six twenty WTMJ.
2: Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Jeff. Hi. I have a solution for this because this this sounds like this. You know, a lot of people don't care about this unless it's you, right? So and what unless they're,
0: they're taking that, your property,
5: yeah, right.
2: Right. What I believe that they should do is if you're going to be able to take away property that I had plans for. Then it was never mine, right? Because you can just take it. So I really never owned it. If you can just take it, then <laughs> right. you owe me all the back taxes that I paid you.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. This. This. Right. This was yes because I didn't develop it. Um. You know. Well, be, even if you did right.
2: develop it, you're only going to get what they believe. Right. Right. And exactly. This way, this way, they might rethink that and say, you know, we might want to go look at other properties because we're going to owe this person all these back taxes and. Yeah. Are we doing our due diligence?
0: Well, right. I mean, see, that's an interesting point, Jeff. It'd be one thing if... All right, and I I do... I want to be careful here, but I, I don't think this is... I don't think the village of Brown Deer is saying there's no other place in Brown Deer that we could find that we couldn't put a municipal garage. I, I don't think that is their point. I think they're saying we want this property because it's adjacent to our property, because it's the so it's the easiest thing for us. As opposed to there's no other land in all of Brown Deer that we've tried to negotiate and buy or acquire. There's nowhere else to go. This is just so it's not a necessity. It's just this is the easiest thing for us to do so we're going to take it regardless of whether they want to sell or not ah we're joined by milwaukee county circuit judge borowski hello good morning hey jeff how are you good what do you think
2: well this is an interesting topic and, and as you know and not to get into too much inside baseball for your listeners but this is a result of the supreme court's decision seven or eight years ago in the Kelo right. case where they basically expanded eminent domain from what it has been for hundreds of years in this country which is If you need to build a road and you don't have an alternative, or you need a street and you don't have an alternative, or there's one hospital in a municipality and you don't have an alternative, that's what eminent domain's for. They expanded it basically to allow the municipality to come up with a, I think the language was something along the lines of a higher, better use. In other words, if they want to put a McDonald's there instead of your house, they can put the McDonald's there and take your house. If they want to put a mall there, they can yank your house. I think it and a lot of people think it was one of the worst decisions to come out of the Supreme Court in the last 8 to 10 years because it turned on its head what eminent domain has made, right. meant for hundreds of years.
0: Right and and, see, and and I'm with you judge I mean again if this was if brown deer was saying there's no other place in Brown Deer that we could find to put a garage. This is the only like were, property, but that's not what they're saying. It's just, this is like convenient if they were for us.
2: Landlocked somehow, and it's yeah. the only place. Maybe, but of course that's not the case. You and know, I both been through Brown Deer. Sure. there are dozens and dozens of other places they could put that lot right. and not take it from an adjacent property owner, who, as you said, and I don't know anything about the specific case, but who you know is an employer, right. an employer that's been in the community for quite some time, and you know two years from now might. Hey. build a new facility and add 400 jobs or 200
0: jobs. Right, and Brown, and Brown Deer is saying, well, they haven't submitted any plans to build, to expand right now. Well, okay, but you're right. Who knows? That, that, that's why they're saving the land, so in case the business picks up, they're able to do it. Uh, thanks for the call. That's uh, Milwaukee County Judge David Borkowski. Bur- um, uh, it's just, yeah, that, the Kelo case, it's a Supreme Court case that is an, an awful awful decision and it leads to what i think are abusive practices and this is a classic example of one local community engaging in an abusive practice with regard to eminent domain it's anti-business it is lazy and it is just flat out unfair 1127 jeff wagner 620 wtmj Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. NASA has a new directive, Get Back to the Moon. Why is this? What's behind the latest report of another lunar mission? Find out during WTMJ Today at 1235. Yes, I'm actually being swamped with emails from people. This is uh, this is just an incredibly undercovered story that you have the, the arrogance of a local... And by the way, I... I I like a lot of the people in Brown Deer, I like a lot of people in city government, but this is just lazy. There's all sorts of property that they could find to buy, and I'm sure there's all sorts of willing sellers for the location for their new municipal garage to put some you snow plows or whatever. They don't need and should not be taking property belonging to an adjacent property owner that does not want to sell convenience because it's easy for the bureaucrats is not a justification and it's counterproductive if you're trying to encourage a local business to stay and grow wake up village of brown deer It is 1135, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Hey, you can check out our Facebook Live. We are now streaming. It's a 620 WTMJ. We're getting ready to live stream. It is the Week in Review. We do this this time every week. I am the thorn between the roses. We are joined... By Susie Falk from Falk Group PR. Hello. Hello, and Tracy Johnson from the Commercial Association of Realtors. Good morning. Now you've been here a lot. You were doing our WTMJ <laughs> weekly a couple of days this week.
4: It's it's a great place to be. <laughs> WTMJ. <a>, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a lot they, of fun. Do
0: they still make you get the visitor pass or yes? Yeah, okay, still <laughs> oh, get still get, <laughs> get the, the
7: parking lot spot yet either? Yeah,
4: park right out in front.
0: Uh, that works. Okay, this is the week in <laughs> review where we talk about. All sorts of things. One of the big stories from earlier this week is Brendan Dassey, who is the nephew of C- Stephen Avery. Quick review of this. Uh, Dassey was convicted. Um, based largely on a confession that he gave to admitting to, along with his uncle Stephen Avery, killing Teresa Halbach. This has, of course, gotten a ton of attention because you had the whole making of the murderer thing. Dateline tonight is apparently going to have something on that. Dassey appealed his conviction, alleging his confession was involuntary. State court said no way. Matter went to federal court. A federal magistrate judge said, no, I think this confession was involuntary. I think it should be struck. The matter was argued in front of the United States Court of Appeals earlier this week. Um, we do not know when a decision will come. Candidly, if, if they believe, I think, that there's somebody who's sitting in jail improperly, I would expect a decision soon. If they're going to affirm the conviction, it could be a matter of months. All right, Susie Falk, let's go where angels fear to tread. Should Brandon Dassey be released? Is this an injustice that he's in jail? <coughs>
7: Let me answer it with the question: the the teenage mind is a very scary place. The kid was sixteen years old, and do we think he was literally in his right mind when he was interrogated? And I think the poor guy probably was coerced into you know a poor guy.
0: I, the, the, he, or who the admitted, guy, he, okay, just the, the guy, the, no, the kid no, no, who admitted in great detail to.
7: Just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking about just a, a snapshot in time when he was being interrogated by these, these detectives. He was asked a bunch of questions. He yep. was sort of led to saying things that I am I think he just basically said, I want out of here and I'll say whatever you want to hear.
0: So you, you don't think there's any validity? I, Let me start I, I would like to see any You don't think there's any validity without, the, without use of the confession?
7: Without use of. Yeah. You don't think
0: think there's any validity to the things he said confessing to his involvement in this brutal rape and murder? You don't think he did? It? I, I, I think you don't he, believe him? No,
7: I don't. I think he deser, I think there's. He looks like he could be guilty. I would like to see the thing retried. Listen, well, I well, have. He a, says he's
0: guilty. I, I mean, he confessed. Know, okay, to
7: he me. was 16 years old. So, okay, are, so 16-year-olds do you know, don't kill him. Do. teenage brain. There's a book out. Okay, it proves that kids at that age are completely influenced, and so, they, they will say so, things. So,
0: so you don't think ju- you don't think that a juvenile who confesses to committing a crime at the age of 16, you don't believe that that person that confession can be trusted?
7: No, I don't. Not the way it was.
4: I saw. I Tracy saw some of the questions. I read the questions. So, so they i st- were not fair questions. I start from a place of the of the real victim here is Teresa Halbach. Absolutely. So, so that this is where I start, and then I and then I watch the video, and I actually watched it last night again w- with this kind of new uh, set of information, if you will, from the standpoint that people are, you know, thinking they want to retry this, and and I watch it, and yes, they are telling him, it's okay. You can admit it. You can admit it. We know what happened, and while I think they were trying to talk him into the confession, it was a confession nonetheless. I do not think they were putting words into his mind. He did describe it in detail, and it corroborated with what Stephen Avery said. I, I think they are still going to find him guilty if they end up retrying him, and I think there's nothing to be said for um, you know the fact that he was 16 years old. This was a long time ago. Listen, a, an innocent person was murdered, and and there were several people who participated in that, and they need to be put away for good. So we'll hear more, I guess, tonight. Dateline is
7: going to have no, right, more the, of this. What, And what, the this. But there's so many sympathizers. What, this is the most troubling yeah. thing,
4: is that well, right, the, the
0: Dateline story is going to focus on all the inculpatory evidence mm. that they, the prosecution did not admit, that, mm-hmm. and, of course, that, that making a murderer completely mm-hmm. ignored. I mean, to your point, Tracy, I mean, look, here, here's the thing. It, yes, did, did the police use interrogation tactics where... It, they want to encourage people it's to talk job. right that nets and that happens all the time, you have people play good cop, bad cop, he's or whatever.
1: 16. Who he's cares? Not, uh, he's he
7: he cares a murderer and a rapist. Jeff, who cares? Jeff, he's sixteen. So, uh, yeah, Susie,
0: yeah. you said that you don't think a sixteen-year-old can confess to a crime. Just so you know, there's people all over screaming at the
7: radios. You don't think that no, a sixteen-year-old can admit to doing something? I think he was asked some unfair questions, and the way he was asked. Did you were kill unfair, her and rape d- okay, her? Tell us what happened. Do you, yeah, do that's you want to know something? I actually couldn't watch the series. I, I I do not really care about this case, and I find it sort of troubling that we talk so much about it. It. I understand that it's very interesting. There's a lot to this salacious stuff, but I started what? watching the series and I was so embarrassed. It reminded me of like how Jeffrey Dahmer put a taint on the city. It was just like, really, this is Wisconsin, and we've got a national audience that is watching these podunks oh. in Podunkville. Sorry, I, I, but they sound really,
4: really like not educated, well, and I couldn't watch it. I, I well, simply could not watch it. And and it so, shame on the sympathizers, though. S- in well, this case, I, you know, and I get the Innocence Project and the, you know, the, yeah. the DNA test. And do we need to look at how we interrogate? I don't know. It's case by case. And they need to have justice because I agree. Oh, an innocent there woman should be justice. died. And there should be justice.
0: My prediction is the Court of Appeals overrules the magistrate judge, upholds the confession, and Brenda Dassey continues to stay in prison. That will be my prediction. But... As I often say, you can go broke trying to guess what courts are, are going to do. But with all due respect to you, my That's dear friend fine. Susie, I am not sympathetic at all to this. I have this a kid.
7: teenage son that age. I understand the brain. Yeah, okay, I, I
0: understand. And if somebody had done this to your teenage daughter, I, you would have a completely just say different position. I the guy position.
7: needs a new court trial. I would like to see him take
4: take. That's a lot of money, huh? Well, well it's also difficult. It's also
0: difficult to recreate, and then you are going to have all these issues about it. if the confession was tainted. What sort of evidence can you introduce? Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And again, one of the things, if the Court of Appeals is convinced that there is an injustice, I would look for a decision soon. The law, Because if, you know, cause what happens is after they have oral arguments, they go and vote right away. And typically, if there's going to be a reversal, you know, you, it happens right away because you don't want somebody sitting in prison who you believe is innocent or whatever. Sure. The more time goes on, I think, to make it more makes it more likely that the uh, conviction is going to be affirmed. Okay, coming up. Something that gets all of our attention, crime at Bayshore. I talked to one of the victims earlier this week. Stick around. It's the Week in Review. Jeff Wagner, Tracy Johnson, Susie Falk, 1142. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1145, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's the Week in Review. You can follow us at facebook live it's facebook.com slash 620 wtmj you can also check back later on we're up there all the time all right topic number two um i actually talked to the victim uh Monday, on Monday show, last Friday, 1130 in the morning, Bayshore Town Center, woman from West Bend and her preg- her sister, who's nine months pregnant, five kids in a car. They're parking outside the Coles parking lot. A guy apparently arrives in a stolen car, runs up, sticks a gun in their face, carjacks them, starts driving off as these ladies are trying to pull the kids out of the car. And, you know, she's going public with this saying, hey, it's kind of a cautionary tale. She's asking herself, is there anything she could have done to avoid this? um but the, the truth is what could you do is there any place that's safe nowadays tracy
4: well i think what what it comes down to is that these they, this was a victim or a crime of opportunity right they were they were they said okay there's these two women they're, they're in a
0: parking gonna, lot at eleven thirty in the morning on a friday hundred yeah, percent this and time 20 to, yeah, essentially one week ago today
4: and to, to answer your question about are you safe anywhere i think the answer is is no and I think it has nothing to do with you know where the Bayshore Mall is located. I think it has everything to do with you just always have to be on your guard. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a mom, I go to that mall all the time. I always have my guard up. Um, I'm not saying I, I drive around with my doors locked, but I certainly always have my guard up. And I know what I would do in that situation. I would let them have the car. And be done with it. Well they
0: were, except that the guy is driving off with the kids in the car. And she I mean, she was the lady was telling me, I mean, you know, trying to wrestle, as you guys both know, trying to wrestle kids out of car seats in the in, I best, in, in the best of imagine. circumstances. Here you got somebody trying to drive he off. he must Susan. not
7: have seen the kids, I'm guessing. I mean, why would you have he done was, that? Because he wasn't trying to kidnap anyone, he wanted yeah, right. the car. So but um in terms of feeling safe, you're right, Tracy, I think we all are on guard these days. It's sort of safe scary when you go into public venues and you, you do look it's around shame. and kind of it, it's too bad. Um, um, I did talk, this is interesting, at Bayshore, I do go there quite a bit, and I was having dinner there one night, and I did talk with my server, and I there, I knew that there had been a lot of um, thefts in right. in the mall, and I asked her, you know, you work late, how do you feel in the neighborhood, Are you do you feel like you're safe walking to your car, she said she always parks right out in front of the restaurant, she does feel very much like she's got to hold on to her purse when she walks, um, but I think... Outside of you know the occasional random car theft the problem is just people going in and stealing stuff I mean yeah. there's a lot of that happening and you know you just don't know how desperate people get these days personally I'm fine when I go there I just don't stay out past well, nine, but here, here's
0: the bottom line of this <coughs> it, it, I mean we all remember Northridge I know it, oh, you yeah, and I certainly I do, do. yeah you, know, you do to crazy yes. right I mean that was a place when I was a kid you would go to hang out and reality or perception the perception became that Northridge was unsafe. Suburban shoppers stopped going there the businesses that catered to them closed and it was this death spiral if people begin to feel that you can't Go park in a parking lot at 1130 in the morning without being carjacked. It's gonna kill these things And so that's just the reality they got they got to toughen this up. They got to deal with it
4: Well, it's it's like Mayfair what they did when they started having yeah. those riots and when they had the, the cruisers and the you know People just walking around I think they need to be very uh... Pl- public about what they're doing and Mm -hmm. i think they should do something that you know makes people feel safe and welcome because it's it's much easier to just go on the internet let's
0: talk about one of my favorite topics of the week the (laughs) guy is a tennis broadcaster for espn he's been doing big time tennis for several years he's covering the australian open which happened a couple of weeks ago and he's broadcasting venus williams is playing venus williams is of course great african-american tennis players a great ta- tennis player who happens to be african-american he in describing this uses the phrase she's playing guerrilla tennis or is this the it's the guerrilla effect he's referring to guerrilla g-u-e-r-i-l-l-a as in guerrilla warfare you know marketing a, right right guerrilla marketing right mm-hmm. the idea an unorthodox attacking sort of style People hear this and start flooding ESPN with complaints saying he called Venus Williams, this African-American tennis player, a gorilla. G-O-R-I-L-L-A. ESPN fires the guy, and now he's filed a lawsuit. Susie.
7: Oh, you know, I'm mad at ESPN for this. This is really ridiculous. I think... He talked to ESPN. Said, "What would an apology work?" And yes, however it came down, you know, he ends up apologizing. And I don't think he ever should have apologized yeah. for using the word choice. I think what he should have done was explained his decision to use the other, the, the gorilla that we all know what he meant to say. You know, it's 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 a common commonly right. well, used I mean, term. He's well, been and using Nike, it for years. Right,
0: right. Well, and Nike used to run yeah. tennis ads yeah. going back into the '90s, featuring Pete Sampras and Andre sure. Agassi about go- the g- gorilla tennis. I sure. mean, G U. E-R-I-L-L-A. So an
4: explanation, not an apology, well, an explanation. How illiterate are we that we don't <laughs> understand that there are two words there, there are that th- hominids? Right, dominance
0: yeah, <laughs> Exactly. They're a homin- I, that's how what we illiterate- call them.
4: I was looking at the Twitter feed. Um, I just went back and kind of was looking at that. And these people are out of their minds blowing up about this and how yeah. ignorant they sound so right. i think yeah. that i think the station should have uh stuck up for him Agreed. and ESPN, said yeah. he Agreed. is a, a tennis commentator yep. he's doing his Talented job right and he's using yeah. a phrase and and i would be interested to hear what venus williams has to say
0: mm. my understanding is she did not have an issue with this because well, she understood that i mean he wasn't calling her a, a gorilla this it, it's Maybe it's I'm sensitive to this because this is kind of what I do for a living. But, you know, it's sort of like you're you're being held accountable for the least common to the least common denominator because you have stupid, illiterate people out there who do not understand that there's. Homonyms, like you say, who just say, "Oh, he, he said gorilla." All right, so this, that is the must state of,
7: this is sort of the state of our times, though. It's the social media, you know. All yeah. of a sudden, ESPN gets really nervous because there's all this outpouring of anger. You know, everybody's thinking it's the other gorilla that the term right. he's using. They hypersensitive, and, 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 right. and they're hypersensitive, and it's a knee jerk reaction. They don't really sit down and, and have a thoughtful discussion about a way to. Well, know,
0: and, and ESPN knew what the guy was talking about. There, it's not like there's right? nobody at ESPN who says, you know, who thought that this guy. Was making a racist comment. Everybody knew what the guy was saying, and yet still ESPN gives into whatever, it gives into the mob mentality and fires the guy. You know, he's brought a a wrongful termination suit. He says that not only only did I lose my gig at ESPN, but this has essentially made me unhirable. Mm -hmm. I can't go out anywhere else because all these other networks are going to think there's people out there that think I'm this racist guy. I mean, I just, I really think he got messed over. I'm shocked that ESPN didn't
7: stand up for him.
4: Yeah. I don't think we're done with this story. I think
7: we'll hear from ESPN. I do. I, I sure do hope so. so.
4: I think people are people should be smarter. This and we shouldn't be looking for a reason to to call out racism because well, that's not what it was. They, they well, turned it into a story about racism <laughs> well,
0: where it wasn't. Well, well, right, because there's so much real racism in the world. I'm, we're wasting
4: our time on. This. Well,
0: exactly, and I, I tell you again, this makes. Any of us who deal with, like, spoken word stuff, whether you're on TV or radio, it's really this kind of cautionary tale. And you sit there and you you think, okay, do I have to edit myself because I know I'm not misspeaking. I know. we all sometimes misspeak, but you're saying, I'm, I'm not misspeaking. I am using a term, but now it's like, oh, somebody might misinterpret this term, even though I am using it correctly, so you can't do it. Heck of a world. We've got the Right Stuff Awards coming up in just a couple minutes. Stick around. It is 1153. Tracy Johnson, Susie Falk, I'm Jeff Wagner. This is the Weekend Review on WTMJ. Yeah. 1156, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And by the way, you can check out a replay of this segment, uh, The Week in Review, at our Facebook page, 620 WTMJ. All right, it is the Week in Review point when we come to the point where we talk about the Right Stuff Awards. This is a holdover. We've been doing this for years. Individuals, institutions who deserve an attaboy for doing the right thing. Susie Falk, who's got the right stuff for you yeah, this week? Yeah,
7: well, a couple of my favorite journalists are going to receive awards on Sunday through the National Association of Black Journalists, the Wisconsin chapter. A shout-out to Carol Meekins. Jeff, we all love Carol. My dear friend, yes, Carol Meekins. Yes, love yep. her. She's going to be, be receiving an award and, and an honor for her work, um, really her work co- impacting the community through her storytelling. So she's done incredible work. Um, also, Eugene Kane, um, former Milwaukee Journal Sentinel columnist. I know Eugene pretty well. I love his work. Um, So good for you guys. I also want to give a shout out to Eric Vaughn and Faith Colas. Faith is going to be there picking up an award for Eric who passed away um, in September, I believe. Loved Eric's work, too, on AM radio. Not this station, but another great station in town. So good work. Tracy Johnson, the Right Stuff Awards.
4: All right. My Right Stuff Awards goes to the workers at Boeing in South Carolina who voted not to unionize. They are My Right Stuff Award winners because they felt that they didn't need to. They were able to get along with management and figure out the terms of their working, their wages, and all of that, which is not always the case. When, when companies do need to unionize. Um, if you recall, they spent $750 million uh, in, to build the South Carolina factory when uh, they closed because of a strike in Washington back in 2008. So hmm. I know right. President Trump is there and they're gonna be rolling out their newest Dreamliner. Right. Yeah, that was,
0: a huge, um, that was a huge blow to Union State. They, they put a lot of effort into trying to unionize those workers. They argued, hey, you know, workers in Washington state make 36% more, but the union voted essentially three to one. The workers voted three to one, no union my winner this week is congressman sean duffy he was being touted as perhaps the leading republican challenger to take on tammy baldwin he said no i'm not going to do it but the the reason is very interesting um sean together with his wife rachel who i both know they got eight kids including a, a newborn and he just he said look life essentially life is too short this is not the right time to run a statewide race now i'd have to spend the next two years raising money, campaigning, traveling. I love my job in Congress, I love what I'm doing, but most importantly, family comes first, and my, i just don't have the time right now to take away from my family to do that that's that's just an outstanding thing and so sean duffy wins my right stuff award all right we are just out of time we need to set aside more time for this thank you once again ladies we'll see you next week tracy johnson from the commercial association of realtors Susie falk from the legendary falk group pr ER. <laughs> i'm you. jeff wagner i am out of time have a great weekend the weather is going to be exceptional I am back 8.30 on Monday morning, and we do this all again. It's 11.59 WTMJ uh, Today coming up. Stick around.